Welcome to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to step into the life God has for you. For more information about our church, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com. great to see you this morning. We're so glad that you're with us for worship today. And if you are joining us online, we're so thankful that you're taking time to be with us today in your living room or wherever you might be uh, across uh, the region or the country. Thanks so much for uh, taking your time to be with us for worship today. I'm Pastor Keith, and it's my joy to uh, be a part of the staff team here at Mount Zion. And this morning, we are continuing our uh, Christmas series as we move through this wonderful season of Advent. Uh, Last uh, Sunday, Pastor Luke uh, shared with us uh, the message uh, of Jesus that he brings, uh, the wonderful message of hope uh, that we enjoy through his presence. And now today, uh, this morning, uh, we're going to take some time to talk through another wonderful uh, message that Jesus brings when we know and experience his presence, and that is uh, the message of peace, the deep, settling, prevailing peace the peace that passes all human understanding that you and I can know and experience when we walk with him from day to day. So if you have your Bible, let's take a look this morning at Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, and uh, we're going to pick up that story uh, in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire." For to us, a child is born. Here's the good news. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful promise that we have some 700 years plus before Jesus ever came as a baby in a manger. And it just thrills our hearts to read it again this morning, recognizing that you continue today to promise to us this glorious peace through the power of the presence of your Son, Jesus. And so this morning, Lord, help us to continue to have a deeper, better, fuller understanding that we can apply to our lives, this understanding of a peace that never goes away when we walk with you from day to day. 
Help us to apply it so that we can live differently tomorrow and in the days to come. In your strong and wonderful name we pray, oh Jesus, amen. So i got a question for you this morning. Uh, how many Americans does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> Pretty simple question, huh? I would suggest two. One to change the light bulb and one to sue the original manufacturer for pain and suffering caused when trying to change the light bulb and for compensation for the loss of light. And then when that happens, whenever a suit happens, of course, uh, that it becomes a precedent for uh, all legal action, uh, whereby uh, the manufacturer then is required to place on the label uh, a warning uh, that replacement of the bulb is probably going to happen and going to be required over time. And also on that label uh, will be uh, information that the manufacturer uh, is not responsible for loss of wages or any other further uh, complications or damages, accompanying damages as required by law, right? Uh, so living in darkness, it's not fun. Living in darkness is a very difficult thing. But what if you could never escape that? What if living in darkness was a permanent condition for you? What if you could never get around it, never get away from it? What if you were blind? Well, there's some good news regarding that. There's now a company who claims that they have a cure for blindness. I'm serious. There's a company that's come out with a new form of glasses. My stagehands taped it to the table for me. That was good, so they wouldn't fall off. Um, a new form of glasses, these shades, these sunglasses are called Argus, and these Argus glasses now are supposed to be able to help blind people see again. It's amazing. They're called Argus, uh, named after the mythological creature who has a hundred eyes. What happens is these Argus, <coughs> excuse me, these Argus glasses <coughs> actually become an artificial retina for the blind individual. And there is a camera, a unique high-tech camera that is implanted inside these glasses. And the camera is connected to a tiny electronic implant in the eye, and the implant is connected to the damaged photoreceptors, the rods and cones that are inside the patient's retina. Images, I don't understand this, but what happens is images from the camera pass through the implant and stimulate the photoreceptors, which transmit signals to the brain through the optic nerve. It's truly amazing what these artificial <coughs> retinas are uh, enabled to do. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful innovation. But the more I think about it, I realize that even these Argus glasses aren't able to do much for other kinds of darkness that you and I face. There are other kinds of darkness, you know, other than physical darkness. Darkness. 
the darkness you might be facing today may come from despondency or discouragement, depression, disillusionment, doubt. It may come, your darkness may come today from a discouraging work situation. It may come from a disintegrating relationship that you're working to rebuild or to save or restore. Um, it might be that you feel that you have absolutely nothing to look forward to, or maybe you have no contribution to make to this world or to society. Maybe you feel that you have no one to love or that there is no one in your life these days to love you. Perhaps you just are completely overwhelmed with the tremendous uh, societal ills that we are facing. The economic downturn that we've been looking at over the last few months, year or more. Uh, maybe it's uh, uh, the social unrest, the political turmoil that we're dealing with, or perhaps it's just the epidemic of uh, mass shootings that our world seems to be just enveloped with lately. There are all kinds of things that we might be dealing with, but this I know, that kind of deep darkness is not going to be remedied by the Argus system. <laughs> These aren't going to work for that kind of darkness. No, for that kind of darkness, we need the eyes of Jesus. We need the eyes of Jesus. Let's go back to our text, Isaiah 9, verse 2. In verse 2, we read about the darkness that the Israelites were facing. It indicates that the people were walking in darkness. And the Hebrew word here for darkness conveys the deepest form of darkness. It's translated, in fact, death shadow. They were walking under this looming death shadow. So, so they were in a a world of hurt, in other words. They're walking under this death shadow. And the prophet Isaiah, he certainly knew about this deep, looming, disorienting darkness of despair uh, when he wrote this passage. His people were experiencing all kinds of persecution, depression, death, I mean, of the worst kind that you could possibly imagine. Darkness had settled in on the land of Israel. They had nowhere to turn. They were at the end of their rope. As far as they knew, it was over. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> out of the darkness, out of nowhere, comes this glorious news. Out of nowhere, <coughs> in verses 6 and 7, Isaiah announces this good news of great joy. What is it? It's news about a child, a child being born in Bethlehem, this wonderful baby that is being born, um, a baby. God is taking the form, a mighty God is taking the form of a vulnerable baby. It's certainly a new way of looking at things, and it may take a little while to get adjusted. You know when you get a new pair of glasses? It takes a little while to, to adjust to them, to get used to seeing things that way through a new lens. And maybe you're still trying to get adjusted to this kind of seeing, to this kind of lens today. Uh, it, it takes a while to adjust to that. So what does this really mean 
to see the world through the eyes of Jesus. What what does that mean? Well, Isaiah gives us a clue in verse 6 by using the four throne names of Jesus. We read them just a moment ago. Uh, These are different from the name he uses earlier in chapter 7. You may remember in chapter 7, verse 14, Isaiah said, the virgin will be with child. She will give birth to a son, and she will call him, you remember? She will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel is the Hebrew personal name for Jesus. But that's different from these throne names. Emmanuel is the personal name, which means God with us. I love that. God stepped out of heaven, as Pastor Jason said a few moments ago. He stepped out of heaven to be with us, to do life with us. That's the personal name of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. But these throne names, they're different from that. These four throne names that you and I are going to look at in just a moment and just quickly run over each of them, these names are different. They are the authoritative messianic roles and responsibilities that Jesus fulfills. These roles and responsibilities that he uses to bring to us the peace that we so desperately need and long for. So how does he do that? How does he do that through these four roles, these four throne names? Well, let's take a look at them. Let's let's just take a few moments to look at them. Um, To have the eyes of Jesus is to share the vision of, first of all, the wonderful counselor. To see the world through the eyes of the wonderful counselor. The benefit of this perspective is seen in verse 2. Uh, those in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned. So when you see the world through the wonderful counselor, all of a sudden the darkness starts to lift. The fog starts to go away and the dawn comes. That's really, really good news. Um, In fact, you may remember that our wonderful counselor spoke these words in Matthew chapter 6. He said, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink. Don't worry about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour? To his life. When we see the world through the eyes of our counselor, we are not forced to have to figure out every single step of the way. We're not forced to have to figure out everything for ourselves. We can follow the clear and compelling guidance of the one who goes before us, of the one who's already walked the path. He's already been this way, he knows the way. We don't have to figure it out for ourselves. We can see through the eyes of our wonderful counselor. This means less worry for us. (laughs) It means less worry, and it means more peace, settling peace, more direction, more clarity, a better understanding. That's great news. 
To see through the eyes of Jesus also means that we begin to have the vision or share the vision of the mighty God. Now, when we start talking about the mighty God, uh, this may be hard to visualize because Jesus first comes to us as a weak and helpless baby, right? So, Pastor Keith, wait a minute. How, how in the world is this defenseless, little, helpless, innocent baby a mighty God? Uh, that doesn't compute. That does not wash out. Uh, how are you telling me this baby in a manger is a mighty God? I, I, don't, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Well, I love that God comes to us as a little tiny baby in a barn. I love that because that tells me that he wants to be like us, that he wants to understand us, that in our weakness and in our impurities, he understands us, that in our moments when we feel dirty and unclean and as weak as we can possibly be, he can say, I understand. I've been a baby in a barn. I get that. I get how you feel. <laughs> God's been there. So he understands you when you have those feelings. So mighty God, often when we think of Jesus as a baby in a manger, it's just really important for us to also remember and never forget that ultimately he is destined to become our mighty God, our conqueror, who conquers sin, death, hell, and the grave. That's a pretty good record, I would say. One that we can go to the bank with. One that we can trust in and lean on. Can't beat that record. He's a great warrior. He prevailed against his enemies and he destroyed ours. And will continue to destroy ours. See, the benefit of this perspective is seen in verse 4 where we read about how he conquered Midian. He defeated Midian. He shattered the yoke of their burdens. He broke that rod that was on their shoulders for so long. <laughs> they carried that rod for so long, and he broke that. He shattered that. Isn't that good news? You all don't look very happy about that, but that's wonderful because he broke, and you're thinking, Midian? Who's Midian? I don't know the Midianites. That doesn't have anything to do with me. You're right. The Midianites, that ship has sailed. You're exactly right. That ship has sailed. I mean, that battle's fought, but you still got battles to fight. You still got uncertainties tomorrow, maybe this afternoon, maybe before you walk out these church doors. You got obstacles to face, uncertainties to deal with, doubts to wrestle with. And God knows all about those. And he says, just like the Midianites, those are burdens on your shoulders and rods across your neck. And just like I broke the Midianites, I can break yours. I can deal with yours too. He is the mighty God. And he can handle all of that. The benefit of this perspective is realizing that we have a mighty God riding out in front of us who has enough strength to deal with whatever we're going through enough skill to provide leadership in the battle. When you're feeling bruised and beaten down, look at the world through the eyes of the mighty God and he'll show you a way. 
always a way to emerge victorious. When we look at the world through the eyes of the mighty God, this is what will happen. It means less defeat. It means less defeat. And a sweeter, more stable peace. In Romans chapter 8, the apostle Paul wrote, Who shall separate us from the love of God? And then he goes on to just be more specific. He's not generic here. He's specific. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, nakedness, peril or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us so. And I am persuaded, and he doesn't stop there. He keeps going. And I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate me from the love of God, which I have in Christ Jesus my Lord. That is a mighty God whom we can hope and trust in and find glorious peace in. When we realize that, it's the same God that that he wrote about, Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, when he said, thanks be to God who always gives us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of peace to be found in that, no matter what uncertainty you're dealing with. But then also, also, it's wonderful to have the eyes of Jesus and to be able to share the vision of our everlasting Father, see the world through our everlasting Father. I'll tell you this about him. He's not an absentee father. He's not an abusive father. He's a close, caring, attentive father who has a deep concern for you who has a love for you that never quits, never stops. He's an enduring, compassionate provider and protector. The benefit of this is seen in verse 3, where he talks about, the prophet talks about how God increased their joy, giving them harvest, taking them through the battle and giving them the plunder, providing uh, all kinds of provision for them. It was psychologist Bill Gollatry who suggests that it's difficult for some people to relate to God as a father because of their own earthly relationship with their father. Uh, Maybe you had a dad who was never around. Maybe you had a a dad who was an alcoholic um, or abusive. And so that's understandable. If you had a father like that, then, then that's understandable. But that's part of the beauty of this passage, so stay with me for just a moment. That's part of the beauty here. Jesus and the Heavenly Father are one. And so the face of Jesus is the face of God, the Heavenly Father. I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one, Jesus said to Philip. Um, He's our everlasting Father, so so when you need the face of a caring, loving, compassionate parent, dad, take a look into the caring eyes of Jesus because he loves you unconditionally. He is constantly pursuing you. You know what this means? This means a lot less loneliness 
and more consistent, reliable peace. It was in Matthew 7 that Jesus, who becomes our everlasting father, says, which of you, if his son asked for bread, which of you would give him a stone? Certainly not. Or if he asked for a fish, would you give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give wonderful good gifts to those to those whom he loves and who ask him? Finally, if we truly have the eyes of Jesus, we share the vision of the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the author and the dispenser of this peace. He also rules with this peace. The benefit of of seeing through this perspective is found in verse 5. Take a look at verse 5. He talks about the warrior's boot and the clothing of of the warrior which is rolled in blood. He talks about those things being burned in the fire. So what's he talking about here? He's saying there's going to come a day when weapons of war and military equipment and battle will no longer be needed because there'll be no more battles. There'll be no more war, no more fighting. This, of course, I believe, will be fully consummated at the return of Jesus. That, that's for sure. Uh, and his future reign on earth. But it also has ramifications in the here and now, right now, this moment for us. So what does it mean for us right now? How does it wash out in the real world for us today and tomorrow? When we're truly seeing the world through his eyes, the Prince of Peace, it'll change the way you see and treat your enemies. It'll change the way you react in crisis moments, in difficult times. It'll change the way you practice your politics. It'll change the way you live radically. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. All of a sudden, the spilt milk doesn't matter as much. The crayons on the wall aren't eternal. That broken glass or dish doesn't matter as much anymore. The little spats, those disagreements, they don't matter as much anymore. In fact, none of that is eternal. And it's really important for us to understand that. His peace, however, is eternal. What does this mean? It means a lot less conflict. (laughs) A lot less conflict. And a lot more peace, solitude, and contentment. Now I ask you, in the coming year, wouldn't you rather view the world through the eyes of Jesus than the way the world sees it, the way society sees it. So what's stopping you? What's stopping you? Isn't this a wonderful perspective? Um, Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. A couple of weeks ago, our team was 
in Honduras. And Pastor Luke and I had a wonderful opportunity to see and pray with a lot of people, hundreds of people. We saw many, many, over 350 salvations that week. It, it, was, it was a wonderful time. During that week, I got to pray with a, a lady named Maria. That morning, Maria, I could tell she was very burdened. She had a couple of small children with me. She shared with me that morning that she had just lost her daughter a couple of weeks earlier, who was 28. Very unexpectedly, they lost Maria, uh, her daughter. Maria had lost her daughter at 28 years of age. And she shared with me that now she would be raising her three grandchildren. Um, and so she was just very hopeless that morning. She did not have employment. She was older, and it was very... Um, very possible that she wasn't going to be able to get employment in that society at her age. And so she was hopeless. She just had no idea how she was going to be able to provide for her children, these grandchildren that she was now responsible for. And she just had this blank face. She, she didn't know what to do or where to turn. That's why in those situations, I'm so glad the weight is not on me to come up with a solution or to provide an answer. I had nothing. I had nothing except for Jesus. And I was able to share with Maria about the love and hope and peace of Jesus. And so that morning we talked about it and we were able to connect her with Mondo's mission. Um, and Mondo's mission is going to come alongside her and help provide and, and hopefully get the kids in school and provide scholarships for the children, that sort of thing, and some provision for them, food, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, maybe even help them with housing. Uh, but she, that morning, Maria left us with this wonderful, wonderful smile on her face because she had the hope and joy and peace of Jesus. So glad we have that to share. It's available to all of us this morning. In 1555, Nicholas Ridley was sentenced to be burned at the stake because of his witness for Christ, his love for Jesus and witness for Christ. So he was sentenced to be burned at the stake. It was set for the next morning. So that evening... His brother contacted him and offered to come and stay with him in the prison cell before he was to be burned at the stake the next morning. He offered to come and stay with him in, in the cell just to offer assistance and comfort through the night, knowing it was his last night on earth. And Ridley declined uh, the offer, saying to his brother, My dear brother, I intend to retire this evening go to bed and sleep as soundly as I have ever slept in my entire life. Because, brother, my peace is in the Lord Jesus. And I am trusting in his everlasting arms to see me through. He has always provided my ever need. And he will provide this time as well.
he will see me through. And Nicholas Ridley went to bed that night and slept very well in the peace of Jesus. He did, and you and I can, because that same peace is available to us as well. I don't know what you're dealing with this morning, but I know that all of us, including me, could use an extra dose of that peace today. Would you stand with me? As we close this morning in a moment, the band is going to share with us a closing time of worship. But just before we do that, I felt that it might be a really good thing for us to take a moment this morning just to pray for that extra dose of peace. And I don't know if you're like me, needing just that little extra dose. But if you are, I would invite you, if you would say, you know, Pastor Keith, yeah, I, I, I could use it. Uh, whether you've just gone through something or you are currently passing through something right now, no matter what it is, it doesn't have to be your life is falling totally apart, but just whatever it is, you might say, I, I just certainly could use that extra touch of peace in my life today. I would invite you to come to an altar, come forward, just slip forward. If you want to kneel, you can, or if you want to just stand. Uh, in the first service, we just had a ton of folks flood forward. I would invite you just to step forward and, and just gather right here at the front. I'll give you a moment or two just to quietly pray. And then I would love to have the privilege just to pray over you a blessing of peace before we close together in a song. would be my joy to just pray that blessing of peace over you. If anyone would say, like me, I could use just that extra dose of his deep settling peace over me this morning. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you are our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. And I pray your rich, deep blessing of peace over these precious ones this morning. I ask that you would just cover them with a blanket of peace today. I pray that you would settle their hearts. I pray for healing for those who need it today, physical healing. I pray for an emotional touch. I pray for those who, who just feel unsettled and, and just with the things going on in the world who who just maybe have a bit of worry or anxiousness, anxiety. This morning I ask that you would just deal with all of that and settle their hearts and give them a deep abiding peace and comfort in their souls today. 
knowing that all is well because you are on the throne, you're in control, you are the mighty God riding out ahead of them. You know the way, you have walked the path, and you will lead them. I thank you for these precious teens, and I pray your sweet, rich blessing over their lives. Remind them that you have a purpose and a plan for them. You know the way for them. They are valuable in your sight. You are pursuing them. You are chasing after them. You want to use them. They are precious jewels to you, and you want to use them in a powerful way. Help them to just continue to surrender totally their lives to you, their hearts to you, that you might use them as powerful vessels through which you can pour yourself into the world. Thank you for them today. Lord, just, just move in the hearts of these precious ones today. You know their needs, and you're able to just cover them with your peace and contentment. And I pray that today, when they leave this place, they would know that you are with them, beside them, in them, walking around them, covering them, helping them, strengthening them. We thank you for your peace that passes all understanding, and we give ourselves to you just now. <laughs> we rest in you, knowing that all is well as we trust you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. In the strong and wonderful name of Jesus, we make our prayer. And all the people said together, Amen, Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church podcast. We hope this message has inspired you to take a next step in your walk with Jesus. For more messages or to watch our full worship gathering on demand, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com.